Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by Bet Online. I'm your co host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, an all-time Sunday Scariest podcast here. Definitely. Life's getting uh, real, and this podcast will be serious to start with the coronavirus, so not um, not the most enjoyable week for anyone out there. No, no, certainly not. Uh, it seems like every three hours things uh, continue to escalate in a variety of ways, and obviously sports takes a back seat to just people's health and things like that but uh this is a sports betting podcast and tyler our our options are certainly limited now if you look uh what's out there we had some ufc yesterday uh there's some russian hockey league going on and what are your thoughts on uh the mx league the mexican soccer league you have any takes there I haven't been able to dive into it. I'm up right now in the week, and I feel like this might be a little hiatus for me, so I'm glad to be going out on top uh, as of now, so that's always good. But it's crazy. I mean, Indiana was playing Wednesday night in the Big Ten tournament, and then just the news and everything breaking happened so quick with Rudy Gobert being the first kind of professional athlete to test positive, and then just how everything spread so quickly, the NBA suspending its season, then, you know, 
the NCAA saying they're going to hold the tournament, but without fans. And then, you know, a day later, essentially they cancel it. So everything's traveling fast. Um, and just trying to take those preventive measures It's sports fans, it sucks because when bad things happen, you know, in this country, across the world, sports are always kind of the exit for that or the escape and something you could watch and kind of get away from those real life troubles. But now sports is directly being impacted by it and it all makes sense and everyone's health is front and center, but just you don't even have that escape. So it's kind of what what's next for people to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it it is crazy. Like you said, Wednesday night, I used playing Nebraska, and even when the NCAA came out last week and said they're gonna play the games uh, without people in the stands, I think everyone was like, okay, like that that kind of sucks. That's gonna suck the energy out of the gym. What are they gonna do with the broadcast? How's that gonna work? You're gonna hear the sneakers. There's you're not gonna have that normal March Madness energy. But I think pretty quickly got over that and like, okay, well, the games will certainly go on. But like you said, Wednesday night, IU, a bubble team, we're looking great. Um, the whole thing happens with Rudy Gobert. And it felt like Wednesday night was just an all-time Twitter night um, with with the way that went down, that he was reportedly being tested. Um, and, and it just escalated. And like you said, it was domino effect Thursday. Everything gets canned, all the conference tournaments. And kind of bizarre, the Big East starts the game with a uh, the noon game, and then they they basically called off from there. They were the last one to do so. Um, so no March Madness. The NBA is suspended for at least 30 days, which it's likely going to be more now with the CDC basically recommending that there are no gatherings of 50 plus for at least eight weeks. So Woj tweeted mid June, mid to late June is kind of uh, best case there. The Masters pushed back. Um, so it's it's certainly a weird time, like I said without uh sports as an escape like the last time I can think of something like this was 9-11 back in 2001 um and, and that was a hiatus um but it, it was shorter um so we shall see but like you said at the end of football season you're looking for some kind of a hobby um why do we do this to ourselves so i do have to ask i'm sure our listeners are curious have you bought a an easel yet to start painting i might have to to push has came to shove at this point and looks like I'm going to be spending a lot of time in my apartment so might as well get started or start reading some more books and you know for college especially because a lot of the professional leagues suspended um hopefully they'll start soon and obviously this isn't good on any account but I think the NBA will use this as a test run to see how you know, they start the season back up in June and have the playoffs go throughout the summer. I do see that as something they might take into consideration doing permanently and kind of starting the season later to get out of the shadow of football and college football. Um, but for the NCAA, it's just brutal because you look at teams like Dayton, who's having an unreal year, was going to be a one seed. You know, they're probably never going to have that again. And the smaller schools like a Hofstra or a, a Yale, I believe, won the Ivy League, like, you know, those seniors aren't getting that chance again. Bubble teams like a Rutgers, who hasn't made the tournament in 30 years, and this, they were most likely getting in this year, like, you don't get that chance. So it's absolutely brutal for them. Um, and just from a financial standpoint, you know, play, like Las Vegas is getting destroyed by this. Um, all the casinos that are losing out on all this money, it's it's pretty wild. Um, I can never remember something like obviously 9/11 you mentioned but 
like everything just being on hold for the foreseeable future. It's it's insane. Yeah, it really is. I I was looking at the numbers uh, last year, March Madness. Basically, the American Gaming Association they estimated that eight point five billion dollars were bet on on the tournament. So all that's out the window. That that in that basically includes like about more than half of that includes bracket pools, um, but about three point nine billion in terms of legal wagering and, and offshore, um, which is crazy. Like all that just wiped out, um, and and obviously everything else. And I I agree with what you said. Definitely feel for Dayton or even San Diego State, a team that's putting together a good run in here that's absolutely wide open, and 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 various seniors like someone like Cassius Winston um, who has been like kind of the the scholarship four-star athlete that or or a four-year player that just kind of won won everyone over at michigan state and just in college basketball generally right he's had a crazy year his brother passed his way at the beginning of the season now this is it right he doesn't get a shot to have the senior run and put a nice bow on that um and honestly with with everything that on the IU note, everything we went through with IU basketball this year has Fred Hoiberg is like basically like crumbling in his seat on the sideline. I'm just like, oh my God, he probably has he probably has coronavirus. And now if IU's playing, then like they have to get quarantined, which means our season's over. That there was something a little bit poetic about that. That that does feel right after all this that we don't <laughs> that this is it. Um, there, it, yeah, for it does it does for IU, and obviously we're this is very much a, a niche thing. You realize there are much bigger bigger things at play here, but for all of IU, for all of IU Nation out there, I think they get it. This season that we were put through was just so brutal, and it's like okay, well, well, <laughs> that was that 2020 uh, can go kick rocks. I think mm-hmm. for the scene. You're, like you mentioned, Cassius Winston has had such a great career. That team was playing so well. Also, felt like they were geared to have another typical Tom Izzo deep run in March Madness and Big Ten tournament. Just to end on that note is so unsatisfying. And they said they might give them another year of eligibility, but I don't see that happening because so much of the season was already complete. Like obviously, these are this is an unprecedented time, but I just don't see them going to that length. And for IU, I mean bright side they won the last game of the big 10 season so i think that technically does make them big 10 champs mm-hmm. um and the whole thing with fred hoiberg you mentioned like twitter can be great at times i think it can also be very bad at times because people are seeing him being sick on the sideline and it just spreads like wildfire oh he has corona oh all this is happening and it turns out he didn't he just had a normal cold a normal flu it's like that's kind of the bad side of twitter i think at times where News like that is spreading so quickly when it's inaccurate and then it gets people in hysteria. And, you know, I was part of that freaking out. Like, is this like going to keep happening? Is he sick? You know, he shook hands with Archie, obviously, before the game. It's like that part of Twitter isn't good. And, you know, even just going back 10 years ago, uh, um, like that wouldn't even happen. That situation wouldn't play out like that. So that's kind of the downside of social media. I think we've seen Mm -hmm. during this whole thing with people overreacting putting out misinformation just people who don't even know what they're talking about trying to state opinions and if you have enough of a following people are going to believe you so it's it's kind of a scary time and you know when social media isn't good this is a prime example 
yeah yeah i think it's it definitely you have to kind of sift through everything that's being put out there and figure out what what is accurate what is not uh but yes it it is definitely it's it's strange i think for everyone it's it's unprecedented in the sports world uh there's there's limits up to talk about Tyler. So we're going to get creative here over the weeks to come. Um, you know, we're, we're well-rounded humans. We have other things we can talk about. So we're going to continue to mix in sports news where we can and betting angles where we can, of course. Um, but we do have some NFL news here, Tyler. And luckily, no more Tom Brady 49er news. Seems like Kyle Shanahan came out and finally squashed that. Thank goodness. Uh, but the new CBA was agreed to. So we're going to get an additional game, uh, 17 regular season games as early as 2021. An- another team added to the playoffs in each conference as soon as next year. Um, so the only buy in each conference will be the one seed. And there will be a $10 million increase to the salary cap, which um, goes into effect basically now, which positive for the Niners and other uh, salary cap strap teams. Tyler, what are your thoughts on uh, on these developments, most notably the, the additional game and another team in the playoffs? Yeah, I think it's pretty positive that they were able to sign the CBA, avoid any potential lockout. And you look at the vote, it was pretty close, uh, 1,019 to 959 as far as player approval. So you wouldn't say the uh, – the vast majority of players were in agreement. Guys like J.J. Watt, Aaron Rodgers are pretty outspoken about it. But I think kind of the guys at the bottom of the roster are probably happy. The, the minimum salary was raised, so they're, they're getting a little more. And they expanded the rosters and the uh, practice squad. So those guys who are just trying to make it, I think this benefits more. As far as the 17th game... And, you know, the extra playoff team, I'm not a huge fan of it just because I think getting a bye is so important. And I feel like if you come in second place in the conference, that is deserving of a bye. As I mentioned a few weeks ago when we talked about it, in the NFC this year, the 49ers, Saints, and Packers all were 13-3. and Now you're saying only one of those teams is going to get a bye moving forward. I think that's pretty unfair to whoever that second team is, but obviously just emphasizes how important getting the number one seed and home field advantage are and when people and will i be complaining when we have that those two extra games um during wild card weekend probably not nope. but I, I, <laughs> I think i think getting i think the second team getting the bye is still important um the 17th regular season game i don't know i don't i don't see huge thing in that i guess we'll just do like an another interconference game so afc nfc so we'll get to see some more for their matchups, I mean, it's all about money at the end of the day. So the NFL is going to squeeze as much as they can out of uh, whatever they can do. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think the uh, the 17th game, I'm on board for. Just we get more more football. That sounds fun. But some of the things that are going to have to be worked out just. The fact that we're not playing with an even number of games here, right? So some teams are going to have nine home games. Others will only have eight. Um, And I'm curious to see what they do with the bye situation because, for instance, 49ers had the week four bye this year as is kind of tradition. A week four bye, and if you make the playoffs and you're not the one seed, that's kind of a brutal stretch. Um, So I I don't know what they're going to do there. I, I hope maybe they push it back if possible to make that work. Um, because well, I think they would just add a second buy. I've, I didn't see anything noted about that, but you would have to add a second buy, I would think, or start the bye weeks later at least. Yeah, yeah, I think it probably has to be pushed back. Um, and I'm I'm okay with them adding another another playoff team. I think 
it, it would just makes it for more chaos in terms of the end of the regular season and once playoffs start, I do think it will be strange not having two buys in each conference, but I don't know. I think that puts more more of a prize on ultimately getting the one seed in the conference, and and I think we've seen in years past, like sometimes the second seed isn't always as strong as the top of the NFC was this year, things like that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I didn't feel too annoyed about that one, uh, but we did get some other NFL news. Clay's Campbell in an all-time steal for the Ravens, unless he's like, unless the Jags know something that the rest of the public doesn't. He was traded for a fifth rounder uh, to Baltimore. He's a three-time pro bowler. He's been a stud. Um, I, do you understand why Why he only went for a fifth rounder? Like, was no one willing to offer a fourth rounder for this guy? It, it makes no sense. Dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, so it makes sense Jacksonville would do this. They had the one good year a few years ago, but you look at the rest of their last 10 years, they've been an absolute train wreck. They traded A.J. Bouye for a fourth-round pick. I guess they're collecting draft picks, but these are such late-round picks. You're going to have to hit on all these to build any sort of team up, and you know they, they signed Nick Foles to the big deal last year, so none of their moves if you just put them in a timeline, have made sense. Because clearly when they signed Foles, they were trying to win last year. He obviously gets hurt, but the team still wasn't very good. So I have no idea what they're doing. And then Tannehill gets the extension today. Um, You know, you look at the number, and it probably jumps off the page. But I think if you break it down further, it might not be as bad. Um, So I think that was a good move for them. I mean, the biggest storyline right now, and they said they're going to continue with free agency, which, I mean, you don't have to be... you know, the whole thing with Corona trying to stay out of big groups of people, which you don't have to do in free agency, but it will be interesting to kind of see what happens with that. Um, but Brady, it seems like his options are now kind of limited. Tennessee's obviously out of the picture to going back to New England, uh, the Chargers, and Tampa Bay. If he takes over Jameis's spot, I think that's just disrespect to Jameis. Mm-hmm. I hope he doesn't. He should. He should know better than that. Um, in terms of the Tannehill deal, four years, 118 million. I mean, he played great last year, uh, and he was always. He really was always like talented in Miami. He just could never stay healthy uh, or take the next step for someone that was just like a seven, nine, eight, and eight quarterback. But I think. I mean, he he really was great as soon as he took over from Mariota. I think it was starting at week six, and they win the when they win a couple playoff games. Like I I think he he definitely showed something um, last year, and that's the market, right? In the NFL, you have to pay up, and like you said, the headline number in the NFL typically, unless it's Kirk Cousins, uh, most of that's not guaranteed money. Um, and yeah, I don't. I'm more nervous. Brady, Brady will figure it out. He's going to get a starting job somewhere. Um, Jameis, I, I mean, what I really want, Brady, let, I think Brady, this is all big song and dance. So when he comes back to New England, it'll be even more dramatic. It's going to up his, uh, the amount of money he's going to get. Jameis, uh, it seems like Bruce Arians doesn't really care if he comes back or not. Um, but I, I hope we get Jameis in Las Vegas. Uh, Jameis, John Gruden, uh, Mayock, we we need that. We need that combination. Yeah, that would that would be awesome. Him in Las Vegas is a dangerous combination. Um, but I mean, I think Brady at this point is probably only, I guess, hurting himself as far as leverage because you just look at the potential teams that are out there that could sign a quarterback. I mean, Titans was a big one on the list. I think for a lot of people now they're off. Um, so I think it, I think Tampa Bay is going pretty hard after him, but. 
you're Brady at this point, like, are you really going to go to Tampa, the Tampa Bay Bucks to play one or two years? And like, maybe they could make the playoffs, but it's just like, why would that, why would you want that to be the end of your career? I think, like you said, he should go back to uh, New England and just whatever beef he has with Belichick, I guess, or whatever beef he has with the organization. It just seems worth it for him to just go back there and finish his career there because playing one or two years, it's just going to be such a forgettable like note in his career. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it just he he, he should just go back to New England and wrap things up there. Um, but we're going to take a quick break, and then on the other side, we're going to do a little, a little draft of our most rewatchable YouTube games um, since we don't have live sports. With currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Bet Online sells hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack. All open, 24 hours a day, and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts, and esports is on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, what? And even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. And all right, and Cody, you mentioned the Mexican Soccer League as our trusty producer Alex <laughs> tweeted out or quote tweeted. Uh, that league has been suspended now after tonight's matches, so I don't even know what gamblers have left at this point. Obviously, online casinos will still be a thing, but... The options are certainly dwindling. Aussie rules football, I believe, is still going. Last I checked, and and UFC, I think Dana White is single-handedly trying to uh, carry the sports industry. He's he's scrambling right now to find people to fight in this weekend's UFC event because I think some of the fighters are supposed to be from London and they're moving it around. So uh, he's he's trying to kind of be a a hero in all this. <laughs> I, I, I guess I guess he he. he He's trying to take advantage, you know, be the only, be the only thing available at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. That's like us and sports, uh, sports gambling podcast biz. Only a strong survive. Mm-hmm. But let's move on. We were kind of discussing what else we could talk about, and we've both just been doing it, you know, not just for the podcast, but for our own sanity. The last few days, rewatching clips of games, full games on YouTube. So we decided to put together a list of three games or three clips each and we'll kind of do a draft so i'll let you get started as the elder statesman and it was recently uh your birthday thank you thank you it was uh two weeks late but thank you um okay so wait are we doing clips or are we doing games here are we doing games yeah full games clips just play around with it there's a difference. We may need to circle back on clips in a couple weeks, so let's keep these separate here. Uh, so games, I'm going to go. Okay, thank you. So I'm going first. Um, I watched it last night, as anyone who follows me on Twitter probably knows. So sorry for putting you through that. But I'm going with the 2011 IU-UK game. Um, this is the watch out, the basically Indiana upset uh, University of Kentucky at home after a few years of early time. Crean taking on taking over for Kelvin Sampson following all of the um all of the what is the word oh, sanctions 
Thank you. Thank you. Long week. Um, following the sanctions, I used program was crippled. They brought it back. This was Cody Zeller's freshman year. Old Depot as a sophomore. Wofford hit, hit the three. Um, and uh, that UK team, every time you rewatch it, you're just like, Jesus, this team was unbelievable. They had Teague. They had uh, freshman Anthony Davis. They had Terrence Jones, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, uh, Deron Lamb. Kyle Wilcher off the bench, um, and uh, Darius uh, Darius Miller as well, um, and and just like an all time moment as someone who's there as a, as a little sophomore in the balcony sprinting down. Um, I, I think anyone who was an IU basketball fan at school that's kind of a seminal moment uh, for just college experience and in terms of live sporting events. Uh, it it'll be a hard one to. To beat just the nature of it the excitement the being a student the buzzer beater and just knocking off number one team in the country and obviously that uk team ended up beating iu in the tournament that year in the sweet 16 um and and went on to win it all like one of the best college basketball teams we've seen uh but we beat them at home john kyle perry hasn't come back uh to the hall since so he's he's a little bit afraid yeah he has an Whenever it's been brought up of them renewing that rivalry, um, he, he he only wants to do a neutral side. He refuses to do a home and home. But that was Kentucky only lost two games that season. I believe their other loss was to Vanderbilt in the SEC title game that year. So mm-hmm. I was able to knock them off there. And you know, I was in high school at the time, but I do remember watching it and. You know, obviously ending up going to IU. That was a huge selling point, and just seeing the energy and that was kind of tipping point for IU bring it back and you know when we talk about IU football that's my frustration with them is the fact that they can't get a win like that and I always point to how that turns around programs it turned around the IU basketball team at the time um with Kareen and kind of put them back on the map and you need wins like that in college sports to kind of get things going in the right direction so it's an awesome game and I don't know if you remember this but that game was the same night as the Cincinnati Xavier yeah, Yancey uh, Gates. famous brawl mm-hmm. Yancey mm-hmm. Gates uh that massive fight so it was a great college basketball night um and yeah that and Kentucky also, team was sorry go ahead Ty I was just gonna say that the Kentucky team was loaded as you said and I like how when going through the roster the first guy you mentioned was uh Marcus Teague and not Anthony Davis um mm-hmm. so that was funny but yeah just an all-time game all-time moment Dickie on the call before he really kind of lost his mind so mm-hmm. he was still good and just the reaction of the crowd, and it's funny when you rewatch it because Watford, the score is 72 to 70. Watford hits the shot, but yeah, ESPN on the messes up side. the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So it says Kentucky 75 to 70. And I think I was watching it last night, maybe just like the clip of the shot, not the whole game. And it's like everyone storms the court. And it would be like a funny spoof video to be like, they stormed the court because IU covers. Um, but yeah, just an all time <laughs> game and a good first choice by you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Also that night, Chris Paul, that that whole trade to the Lakers end up happening, getting vetoed. Um, So a very eventful night. And even just like watching that game, you just think about the IU teams under Crean and it. I was like, wow, this team was so fun the following year when we were number one in the country for a while. Ultimately, that ended up in disappointment. That was a fun team. And then the 2016 uh, team with Yogi, Troy, Thomas Bryant, you just realize like we had so many guys like this IU team. 
to the bench who was like a rock solid six man Jordy holes we he just was so good from three in that game like and it was it was something else so yeah that's that's number one on my most rewatchable youtube games tyler i'll give it to you and you get uh i'll give you the snake here so you get two Okay, so my first one, more bias pick for us, uh, Lakers-Celtics Game 7 of the 2010 Finals. So mm-hmm. this was an ugly game. The final score was 83-79. to 79. It's crazy this was a decade ago because it feels still like pretty recent. I still remember watching this at home. Obviously, the Lakers were the defending champs at that point, trying to go back-to-back. They had lost to the Celtics in 2008 in the Finals, which was heartbreaking, uh, especially Game 4 that year. On that year, and the year before also, thought it was destined for Kobe to face LeBron on the Cavs. In the mm-hmm. finals, LeBron, LeBron couldn't get over the hump for Dwight, and then the Celtics team. So this Game 7 was ugly. Kobe was 6 of 24 from the field. Um, it's an ugly game, but it's still really fun to watch. It's so tight. The Celtics were up 13 in the third quarter. And Ron Artest kind of saves the Lakers in this game. He has 20 points. He's five steals. He's all over the place. He hits the huge three that kind of wasn't the dagger because Celtics come down and hit another three, but was a huge shot in the game. And um, Pau Gasol was also awesome in this game and just the entire series. He had 19 points, 18 rebounds. And what's crazy and just shows how much, you know, the NBA has changed the Celtics shot 16 threes. The Lakers shot 20. You look mm-hmm. at the stats of teams this year. The Pacers shoot the, the least amount of threes in the league, and they shoot 27 and a half. So obviously yeah. the game has changed a lot. But this game is so exciting. This was the last great Laker moment. Um, and obviously everything that's happened with Kobe watching this, him running down the ball at the end of the game, uh, stepping up on the scores table, LA going crazy and beating the Celtics, getting that revenge from 08. It's it's just all, all awesome. Mm-hmm. It is crazy, especially when you rewatch that. Like I remember in the moment, Ron Artest takes the three, and you're like, no, 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 and then it goes in, and you're just like pure elation. Um, and what you mentioned about Pau Gasol, 2010, he was just like a different animal. In 08, uh, that was when they traded for him uh, from the Grizzlies, and he got bullied uh, by the Celtics in the finals. Uh, like you could tell, Phil Jackson was ripping into him on the bench. Obviously, Kobe as well. Um, but he was uh, he was a different guy um, in 2010, and and that team really was on a mission. Um, and, and anytime you watch that game, it's it's really it's ugly. It's really ugly basketball. It's game seven. It's the last game of a long, long season by the time you make it there. And I mean, that was like your team that had made it to three consecutive finals Celtics, obviously, uh, that was kind of the last uh, one of their last big runs. Um, yeah, so that's that's a good choice. Good job by you, Ty. What's your second that one? Thanks. And. Yeah, and this game also features a huge Derek Fisher three, which was just a staple of the Laker teams. He hit a three. It was either to tie the game or to go ahead, so that always gets me going. So it it features everything. You know who was on the Celtics looking at the box score? He didn't play, but this stunned uh, I thought you were going to say Rashid, not... Rashid Wallace because he plays a lot in that game. Yeah, he played a lot because Perkins had gotten hurt, but uh, Michael Finley was apparently on the Celtics, um, which I had no recollection of, and Sasha Vujicic has the two huge free throws uh, at the end of the game, so that was a Phil Jackson special. Now, my second, a little random, um, but I was 
I didn't. I was rewatching it the other night, a clip, but they do have the full game on YouTube. Um, North Carolina, Kentucky, Elite Eight in 2017. This was an awesome game. This is the Luke May shot at the end where uh, Malik Monk hits a crazy three to tie the game. UNC comes right down. Theo Pinson, great pass to Luke May. And Luke May at this point is unknown. He's only averaging five points a game that year as a sophomore, only mm-hmm. averaged one point a game as a freshman. So no one really knew who he was, but he had the game of this his life, obviously. UNC ends up going on to win a national championship, and Luke May's last two years at UNC is one of their best players and is an all-ACC player. So this game catapults him. He had 17 points, and it's just an awesome game to rewatch. And the Kentucky team was pretty loaded also. They had De'Aaron Fox, Bam, Adebayo, Malik Monk, who I thought was going to be so good in the NBA. He's kind of mm-hmm. disappointed. Um, they have Briscoe, who's a solid college player, and then UNC is obviously with Justin Jackson, Joel Berry, and they were coming off losing the devastating national championship the year before to Villanova. So mm-hmm. this is an awesome game to watch and just like crazy March Madness shots, and especially given the time of the year and everything that's happened, just really makes you sad watching it. Mm-hmm. And happy. Yeah, and happy, and happy. Let's look at the positives here. Yeah, Malik Monk, I agree with you. I was, like, ready for him to be, like, a, I don't know, a T-Mac light in the NBA. Like, I, I thought he was going to be really good. I just pulled up his basketball reference. He's still only 21 years old here, but uh, this guy has got a shot. He's got yeah. a shot. He's still got a shot. I mean, he uh, he this year he actually has been okay. He's averaged 10 points a game. Uh, he's shot about 54% from two from the two, uh, from three, 28%. That's pretty tough. He's going to have to work on that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that UNC team, the year before losing, that, I mean, they take out IU in the Sweet 16 in a game where they just absolutely manhandled us. That team was so deep. Um, and then that Villanova, the Villanova game, that that's not on my list, but that that is one that I'll probably go back and watch at some point uh, from 2016. Just the the uh, Marcus Page that shot at the end of regulation that's just not talked about the double pump three that he sinks, and then obviously Nova comes down, hits the three, and the rest is history. But uh, yeah, that that UNC team and and that UK team, I. I that was the game, right? They lose, and then Darren Fox is—he's balling in the locker room after, right? That's how. Mm-hmm. Him and Bam, and and the crazy thing is with UNC, that year before they lost, uh, Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson, their two best players, they both graduate their seniors, and then Joel Barry steps up, Justin Jackson steps up, Kennedy Meek. So something I've always complained about IU, where the best players leave, and then no one else ends up uh, stepping up to take that mantle. And something else about this game is these teams played earlier in the year in Las Vegas in an early season game, and Kentucky won that game 103-100, to and Malik Monk had 47 points in that game. He went absolutely crazy. So the fact they had that game that year early in the regular season, then they had the wild game, the Elite Eight, it's just like, it's awesome, and just rewatching it, it's just crazy shots and Luke May just making a name for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I remember that. it was just like, who is this guy? Like you, I remember watching that game and being like, back in the day in college, if you saw Luke May playing basketball at the SRC, obviously he's tall, so you'd be like, okay, but like, as, as he just didn't look like he would be uh, an, an amazing college basketball player, but he obviously put together a nice career there. Um, okay, my second pick here, and uh, another another homer pick for sure. All mine are, to be frank here. I'm going with Kobe's last game um, of his career. Uh, 
the that Lakers season was was brutal. They were they were they were terrible, and uh, it, it just kind of was like okay, Kobe's Kobe's ready to be done here. Um, but on that night, it was believe the Warriors were basically uh, playing as well, going for 73. Um, and then you have this Lakers team playing the Jazz, who at the time, there was a chance going into that game they would need to win uh, to make the playoffs end up. Basically, the team, I forget who the A seed was at the time, but that, that team, the wins. Rockets. Thank you, the Rockets, they get in. Um, so the game's meaningless for them, and Kobe gets off to a bit of a slow start, and like, all right, well, it's going to be what it's going to be, but he's letting it rip. And specifically the last, like, six, eight minutes of his game is, is an unreal watch. He won 22 of 50 from the field, uh, 10 to 12 from the free throw line, 6 of 21 from three, uh, and, and put up 60 points in the last game. And you just, like, watch, watch the game and, there are all the celebrities in the world are are there uh, on the sideline. Kanye, Jay Z, Jack, obviously, and everyone's just in awe of the performance. Being like, is this really happening right now? Um, he, let me just pull this up real quick. Yeah, so he had 15 points in the first quarter of the game. MJ had 15 points in his final game period. He shot the ball. 20 times in the first half with which makes 30 in the second um and and they end up winning the game and kobe just hits big shot after big shot down the stretch um and it's just like an all-time performance and obviously given his passing it was something that uh, i watched after that uh but it, it it was like almost it was hollywood it was hollywood all the way through out of a movie um and and it's like the kind of thing that it's like only Kobe, like literally D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle are, are like on the bench, like giggling like little kids, like everyone and everyone was just watching. It was like everyone in the world knew what was happening. Um, and uh, it was it was something it was something else. Mm-hmm. It was surreal. And the shooting numbers are absurd. 50 shots in a game is wild. <laughs> but in the fourth quarter, he, he was efficient, was hitting everything and just like it was like you said it was hollywood in that season in the past couple of years i mean from the moment he tore his achilles versus the warriors really up until then it had been miserable the team stunk um nothing really exciting happening and just to get that one last kobe moment was awesome and like you mentioned all the celebrities snoop dogg is going crazy mm-hmm. um jay-z is there it's just it's wild and that was kind of the impact he had and as my first pick was you know when they won the game seven versus celtics that was probably the craziest Staples Center had been since that Game 7 versus Celtics for his last game. So it was awesome. Um, and all the, you know, Shaq's right there. And it's it's just incredible, the clutch shots he's hitting. And it's just like it's you're in disbelief watching it because you just can't believe it's Mm-hmm. And, it, and it wasn't just like stat stuffing for the sake, sake of stat stuffing. Like he... They end, they end up winning the game, and he's he's hitting big shot after big shot down the stretch, right? It's not like Utah is clearing out and be like, okay, Kobe, go ahead. He was, I mean, they ended up winning the game because of it, and of course, it was it was truly a meaningless win, uh, but and an all time thing. He, and, uh, go ahead, Tom. I was just gonna say, and 
it's not like he was, you know, super athletic anymore at this point. Like he could barely like run up and down the court and he's like dying. You could tell um, like by the end of the game, he's gas and he, he didn't really play a ton. I feel like towards the end of the year game. So you could tell he was like gassed by the end of it. Um, and he was just like putting every last ounce of energy he had into finishing that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was an unbelievable one. And the last one I'm going with here to round out my three is the uh, 2011 divisional round playoff game, 49ers Saints. Uh, this was Harbaugh's first year. Technically, this the game was in 2012. Um, the Saints 13 and three. The Niners hosting them, and uh, it, it it just. The 49ers were so bad for so long, and they finally were good in this game. And this is just like a heavyweight fight at the end of it. There were 34 points scored in the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> Alex Smith scores on on a 28-yard run with about a little over two minutes to go. And you think, okay, like we're, we're, in, we're in good shape here. We got one stop. And then immediately Drew Brees throws a 66-yard touchdown pass to Jimmy Graham with a minute 48 left. Um, and they they end up converting on the two point conversion as well. So the 49ers need to drive the length of the field uh, to score, and and it's just like an all time game uh, because they do. Alex Smith converts over the middle to Vernon Davis uh, for a 14 yard touchdown pass. They go 85 yards in uh, a minute 28, um, and 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 they go ahead. And and all they needed at that point in the game was was a field goal. Um, or sorry, no, they're down four. Uh, what am I looking at here? No, 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 they needed a field a field goal to tie. Yeah, field goal tie. Right, hold on. I'm just looking at this. Um, and and they get the touchdown. Um, and it just it, it's it's the best to rewatch games like that. I mean, everyone has as a sports fan, even if your team hasn't won at all. Like in our in our lifetime, IU has not has not done that. There there are always moments, and and like this one for us. As a 49er fan, like we haven't really been like I, technically, I was born last time the 49ers won the Super Bowl, but I was so little, don't remember it. Um, but they're just games you can always go back to to watch, and and this is certainly one for me just because it's the first time in so so long that the 49ers were good, and this was just like two heavy heavyweight fighters throwing haymakers in the final four minutes. Um, I would never forget just like the sinking feeling I had when. Jimmy Graham is scampering away and scoring. I'm just like, okay, like I don't know, let him score at that point. And then uh, Vernon Davis just was peak. Vernon Davis, seven catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns, um, all-time performance by him. Yeah, and you know the 49ers were good this year, but I've tried to forget about that. So thanks for uh, reminding me. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, this was an all-time game and. Going into the game and kind of the narrative with the team all year, you know, Alex Smith couldn't win them a game in a shootout. He was just a game manager, and they're going up against Breeze. And the Saints were favored in the game. And the 49ers got off to the hot start. They're up 17-0. Their defense is dominating. But just the way the game was going, the Saints just kept, like, hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. You knew at some point the big play was coming. Sproles scores with like around four minutes to take the lead. 49ers mm-hmm. come back down. Smith has the incredible touchdown runs. Like, holy shit, he just had his moment. Like, you know, at this point, his career had been pretty terrible. Not all, I don't think, 
I think most of it wasn't his fault just due to franchise just being terribly run. Um, so he had this moment, and then Jimmy Graham comes out, and they score. God damn it. Like, this was supposed to be Smith's moment. And then he responded right there, and Vernon Davis, like you said, was just an absolute beast in that game, and they win. Um, absolutely incredible game to rewatch. Obviously, the next week was heartbreaking, just as every 49er. Yeah, we don't, we don't talk about moment, that. We don't as every, every great 49er moment has to be dashed because just they love breaking our hearts. Um, so, yeah, good pick by you. That's always a fun game to rewatch, and it being a candlestick, just raucous environment. Um, so my last one kind of similar to that i didn't have a specific game but the nfl just has and this is probably where you found it just like a bunch of old games that you could watch in full and they have like under the video just certain timeouts for like highlight plays so they have cardinal steelers super bowl which is great packers seahawks nfc championship and kind of the one i singled out was the patriots seahawks super bowl because um, as you said, we haven't seen the 49ers win a Super Bowl oh so close this year. I try to forget. Um, but seeing the, the Seahawks falter in big moments brings me a little joy. So this is obviously the Malcolm Butler interception at the goal line. And this is with the flake gate going on. You know, the Patriots hadn't won a Super Bowl in a while. So if they had lost this one, which it looked like they were about to, Brady would have been 3-3 three and three in Super Bowls. And it, it does really change history if the Seahawks just run the ball with Marshawn Lynch and they go back-to-back, how you know insufferable that would have been. And obviously the Legion of Boom and how great they were. So this that is, probably, I think, the best Super Bowl of our time, um, Patriots-Seahawks. But like I said, you could find all those games. I have the Bounty Gate NFC Championship game with Saints-Vikings. That's an awesome game. So there's definitely a lot of NFL uh, content out there for anyone who lo- wants to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I took the Patriots money line in that game, and it was just like a slow death. I was like, oh my god, really? Russell Wilson again? Um, but a, gr- a great way for that one to end. And good recommendation by you, Tyler, to let the people know where the content lives. Um, but I think I think that wraps it up, Tyler. You have you have anything else for us? You're you're working through Love Is Blind, right? So that's going to be our next one of our next moves here. Yeah, I'm through episode five, so the couples are about to leave. I think they're in Mexico, right? Yeah, they're, they're in about Mexico. to leave. Yeah, they're about to leave the resort. Um, so it looks like Jessica and Mark are on some rocky grounds. I mean, Jessica is just the worst. She essentially is just the reason she doesn't like Mark is because she's not attracted to him, which is kind of the opposite point of the entire show. Um, but yeah, they're not doing so hot. Amber and Burnett are rock and strong. Um, <laughs> who's Oh, who's the other person? Cameron. I tweeted this earlier. Cameron and, and, no sp- and Diamond? No. Uh, oh, no, no. Lauren maybe- and Cameron. Sorry. Sorry. I, was, I thought you said Carlton. Lauren and Cameron, yeah. Yeah, Cameron. No spoilers, because I don't know if this happens, but he's definitely a serial killer. He gives me like a little like Barry Dexter vibes where he like, looks like a normal guy, but he has some messed up things going on. I, I will save, save our takes for our next pod. I'll, I'll plead the fifth here, so don't spoil anything for you. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon. 
versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.